beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. When one migrates to another country, it often has far-reaching consequences also for the family, in particular for the children of such a family. It changes their life, growing up in another country, another culture. Often it changes also the direction, direction of your life, your whole future. Well, this morning in the preaching, we'll focus on such a migration. And the consequences of this migration also for us. Indeed, also for us. Let me ask, what, is, what did this migration of Abram have to do with us? Well, the point is, we read in Romans 4 this morning, that Abram is the father of all believers. And so, also our father. A father who migrated, who left his country, his family, his father's house. Well, beloved, this migration of our father Abram of so many thousand years ago has still impact on our life today. In Romans 4, verse 12, it reads, we must walk in the steps of faith of our father Abram. From Abram we may learn what it means to live by faith, what it means to trust God's promises unconditionally. So, Genesis 12 and following chapters show us what God expects also from us. Instructive. Abram as an example for us. But if we wouldn't say more this morning, we would miss the point of what God is revealing to us in the verses chosen as text for this morning's sermon. Then you fall in that trend, what we call exemplary preaching. Then we must also be like Abram, trusting like Abram. But it becomes very repetitive. Then we must trust like David, when he fought with Goliath. Then we must trust like Daniel, when he was in the lion's den. You see, very repetitive and nothing new to the story. But we have to realize that God, in redemptive history, was at David's time further than at Abram's time. And at Daniel's time, even further than at David's time. So what we have to look at this morning not short-changing the significance of this chapter, but we should see God at work in this chapter. Through the history of Abram, God wanted to come to the birth of the Messiah, to bring the Messiah into the world, the Savior. For a certain interim period, God is going to channel his salvation through the bed of Israel's history. Up till now, God had dealt with the nations in yellow. Genesis 11. But now God chooses Abram's seed to channel the salvation through Israel, not to forget about the nations, but for the blessing of the nations in time to come. For that's how you should read scripture. The, the, the big picture of scripture is this, that God confuses the languages in Genesis 11, going through this, with his salvation through the bed of Israel in the Old Testament, New Testament, and then we come to Acts 2, Pentecost, and all of a sudden the, the languages are no longer confused. Everyone hears the gospel in his own language. Because even when God starts with Abram a new chapter, he still kept Pentecost in mind. He still kept you 
and me in mind. The Savior had to come, and that's why Abram had to migrate, had to, had to leave his country, his family, his father's house, to live in complete isolation. That's the messianic perspective of Genesis 12 and following. Indeed, a new chapter in redemptive history. So, I preached you the gospel this morning under the following theme, God protects the messianic future by calling Abram from Ur, and if we look at the reason for this protection, why did God call Abram and not someone else? What is meant for Abram and also the significance for us today? So, why the reason of this? What was the reason for this protection? What was the reason that Abram had to leave Ur in the Gal- of the Galdeans? Now, to understand that, we have always first to look at the bigger picture. So the context of Genesis 12. And for that context, I'd like to go back for a moment to Genesis 3, verse 15, that well-known mother promise. He called it the mother promise because it is the mother of all other promises. Every promise later on in the Bible finds its root in this promise. You can see that also, for example, in Revelation 12. So, that promise spoke about enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Enmity so that redemption could be realized. Now that enmity was there right from the beginning. Cain killed Abel. Yet God kept the seed of the woman alive through theft. Genesis 3. And then it continues in Genesis 4. In Genesis 5 we read about the flood. By which God palace, the unbelieving world. But in his great mercy saved Noah and his family. But... Soon after the flood, enmity raises its head again in him, the father of Canaan. And because of that, God curses Canaan. And then God continues the promise in the lineage of Shem. But then, in Genesis 11, we read that the generation of Shem did not keep the antithesis set by God either. It joined the seed of the serpent in building the Tower of Babel, a master set of Satan. But it could not thwart God's plan of redemption. Confusing the languages, God scattered the people abroad over the earth, still carrying on with his promise in the lineage of Shem. Of which was also Abram as a descendant. So, from this short overview, it becomes clear that, that, that separation did not start with Abram. It was a right from the beginning by the antithesis set by God. Yet, with Abram, it starts a new period. Indeed, a new chapter in the old gospel of the enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the servant. A new start when God called Abram away from his country, his family, and his father's house. Now, what was the reason that God did this? Why? had Abram to cut all ties. Now most of the commentaries give us answer that in earth people serve the idols. And so because of this, Abram should not be influenced by the idols and God takes him away, out of earth, away from the idols. Otherwise, perhaps Abram would have fallen for it as well. Now it is indeed true that the worship of idols flourished in earth. But from a later account, book of Joshua, 
we may conclude that even the family of Tera served the idols. And it should be noted that, although in Ur there were the idols, but God brought it to Canaan, where as, as, as were as many idols as in Ur, even maybe more. So, what would change for Abram if he goes from the one country with idols to the other country with idols? So you can hardly say that that was the reason why Abram had to cut all ties. But why then? Now, answering this question, I'd like to go back to the story of the Tower of Babel. The sin in this, in this building project was that the people wanted to gather, wanted to stay together as a support for each other. Now you say, what's, what's wrong with that? To stay together as support. Isn't that a good idea? But the underlying thought in this was this. As long as we stay together, nothing will happen to us. The redemption motto of Babel was, stay within your country, your family and your father's house, then you will be safe. Redemption was considered as something we have that within our own reach. We can, we can reach peace here on earth, stay together people, don't worry about the commandment of God, we have it here on earth. So you see, nothing has changed. Peace on earth. Well, it is exactly for that reason that Abraham had to cut all ties to show him him who carried the promise of God, that redemption is not within man's own reach. And that's why God isolates Abram from his country, from his father's house. Every tie had to be cut. And that was quite some sin in those days. After all, Abram lived in a totally different time, totally different culture than we do today. We live in a society which has become more and more individualistic. Often children already leave home when they are not yet married even. They travel to other parts of the country, overseas, without any worries. Wherever you travel, to a certain degree, you can always count on the protection of the laws of the country. And if not, how often don't you hear it? They receive consulate, consulate assistance. So you're always there, wherever you go, even to a wild country, so to speak, you go to the consulate and they give you assistance. You're never on your own, so to speak. Well, that was totally different in Abram's day. In those days, it was the circle of the family that offered protection. Cutting ties with your family, more or less it meant you're a fugitive without any protection. Completely dependent on the goodwill of the people through whose area you would travel. And if these people were hostile towards you, there was not much chance of survival. And yet, that's what God required of Abraham, to do this. To cut all ties, even with his closest family, his father's house, to give all protection, all safety that comes from beneath. A sojourner in his world, without any rights, having only the promises of God. God had even not told Abraham where his journey would lead him. Even that certainty Abraham did not have. He went, not knowing where he was going. And yet, by faith, of which it says in Hebrews 11, it's the substance of things hoped for and the essence of things not seen. That's what faith is all about. Completely trusting God. No family, only the promises of God. And that was sufficient for Abram. Now, beloved, today the Lord asks of us the same. Abraham had to do this also for our sake so that 
not in the same way as, as Abram, that we have to cut all ties. For Abram it was also that the Messiah could come into the world. That had to be safeguarded. Abram had to, also for the generations to come, for Jews and Gentiles. For believers who, despite the ties we may have today, nevertheless should confess with Abram. Safety does not lay in these ties. No matter how close-knit family you have, no matter how good the family relationship, you feel home, you feel okay. But that ultimately doesn't offer you safety. Safety never comes from beneath. That's the parallel. We should trust in God alone. Now today, in the same way as in Abraham's day, many people seek their safety from beneath. In money, wealth, a good job. Babel is strong also today. Whilst Abraham's children, the believers, are often weak. But it should not cause us to despair. For he who redeemed Abram, says in Isaiah 51 verse 2, to encourage Israel, trust me, trust God alone. God says that to his people of old, look to Abram, your father, to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. That's also the beauty of studying old, the Old Testament. That shows us how God indeed is faithful. Now God blessed Abram. By making the barren Sarai fruitful. In Isaiah's day, God promised to make the barren Zion a new Eden by bringing his people back into the promised land from exile. But this God, brothers, this is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our rock, our redeemer, in him we may trust to guide also us safely on our way to the promised land. Trust God and God alone. So the reason why Abraham had to cut all ties was to show him and also us that trusting God's promises, that's what's all about in life. If we trust God, he will guarantee safety. But why Abraham? Why was he chosen? Why not someone else? Of the answer is given, perhaps in Ur, the worship of idols had affected Abram less than others. Perhaps Abram was still closer to God than the other people in Ur. But brothers and sisters, if he reasoned that way, then the choice would be again be related to something on earth, to something good still left in Abram. But that completely opposes the teaching of Scripture that there is lots of us that suffer grace. In addition, was Abram better than all the people, other people in Ur? The first part of the sermon, I already, already mentioned the account of Joshua. Joshua 34, where Joshua writes the following on behalf of the Lord. He says there, Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abram, the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Most likely, these gods were the Teraphim, about which we read later on in the book of Genesis. When in the tent of Laban. 
So even the family of Terah had been affected by the worship of idols. Now, that doesn't mean that in the tents of Terah there was no longer any knowledge of God. How would Abram otherwise have recognized that God spoke to him? Also in the tents of Terah, people still wanted to obey God. But we have an example, I think, of the marriages about which he read. The sons of Terah had sought partners for life within the close circle of the family. Abram married his half-sister Sarai, Nahor married his niece Milka, the daughter of the brother, his brother Heron. And that might well have been for reasons that they did not want to have wives that had become completely heathens. It's also later on the reason that Abram looks for a wife for Isaac in the family, and Jacob the same. Nevertheless, despite all this, all this, deformation had crept in also in the tents of Terah. Terah and his family, including Abram, served more than one God. In addition, we should also consider this. Why was Abram called away from Ur to Canaan? Whilst in Canaan itself were also still true worshippers of God. I think of Melchizedek king of Salem, Abimelech of Gerar, and it could also refer to Job. According to most accounts, Job lived in the time of the patriarchs. That also proves, brothers and sisters, what we confess in Article 27, this church has existed from the beginning of the world and it will be to the end, for Christ is an eternal king who cannot be without subject. In other words, also not in the time of Abraham. Christ not have becoming in the flesh, but gathered his church also then already. So why Abram? The simple answer is, brothers and sisters, that was sovereign election from God's side. Nothing else. All glory goes to God alone. Abram had nothing that he could boast of. He could only thank God for this sovereign election. And it applies also to us. Why were you and I born in the covenant. For the same token, you could have been born in an unbelieving family. Why we in the covenant? We take that too often for granted. You grow up, covenantal family. Okay, there are also unbelievers, but we are the seed of God. You know, it's by grace. It's by grace alone. I think we should more marvel at that. Lord, who am I? That I could be raised that I may live within the covenant thou established already with Abraham. That's by grace alone. Amazing grace. So several election from God's side. But that doesn't mean that chosen by God as believers we now can sit back passively. No. It requires obedience from the side of the believers to embrace now this election in faith. Active faith that shows itself in deeds. And again, that this work, this faith is worked by God, but in such a way as we confess in the Kenneth of Dort, that it makes the will spiritually alive, so that the believer becomes active in the service of God. We see that also in Abram's life. God's election required faith from Abram. Whereby the road God had mapped out for Abraham was surely not an easy one. I pointed out that already earlier. Abraham had to cut all ties, even with his closest family. So fugitive, without any protection. And yet, 
Het reeds in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abram obeyed when he was called to go to a place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, there is a, it's a point that I should be explaining a little bit, especially when you later on read the account of Stephen of this same story. If you go to Acts 7 for a moment, they have Stephen before the Sanhedrin, and then he recalls his, Israel's history, starting with Abram. Acts 7, verse 2 to 4. It says there, Acts 7 verse 2, and he said, Brethren and fathers, so this is the beginning of Stephen's speech, his address before the Sanhedrin. Brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran, and said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Galdeans and dwelt in Haran. And when his father was dead, he moved on. Now, if you go back now to Genesis, then it seems that the move from Ur to Haran was, was mostly from Tira. Tira went to Haran and so on. So, where was Abram called? In Ur or in Haran? How I to reconcile these two accounts? Well, most likely, brothers and sisters, there have been a twofold calling. The first calling came to Ur. Leave your country and your relatives. Go to the land which I show you. And then it reads in verse 31 that Terah took his son Abram and so on. Reading this in close connection with the beginning of first, first, chapter, first verses of chapter 12, we may conclude that not Terah was the organizer of this track. Instead, the reason for his move of Terah's family might well be the appearance of God to Abram who no doubt had spoken with that, about this with his relatives. And then, Terah, the oldest in the family, takes fatherly leadership. But it started with Abram having received that vision or speaking of God, informing his relative, and then Terah takes the initiative and said, then I go with you. But that was not enough. So then we are in Haran, and, and Terah died. And most likely, if nothing had happened, Abraham would have stayed there. But then God makes him aware of his calling. Now he had to cut all ties. Complete isolation. So there is no, no clash in these two accounts, but you have to see that in the context in which it all went. So in the end, all ties were cut. Nothing left. God's promises alone. And Abram clung by faith. That's how God brought Israel into existence. From a couple that had no place of themselves, Sojourns in a foreign land, and who, humanly speaking, would receive never any children. A divine miracle. It shows again, redemption is never to be expected from beneath. Only from above. From God, who rules sovereignly in the days of Abram, but also today. And he went... But he went accompanied by God's blessing. And that makes all the difference. The blessing is recorded in the verses 2 and 3. First, God promises Abram, I will make you a great nation. Now, the word which 
the Hebrew language translates this make, is the same word that in Genesis 1 is used for create. Which means making something out of nothing, a work only God can do. That's how God brought Israel as a nation into existing. Out of nothing, the barren womb of Sarai. The church, born by a miracle, created by God. And connected with that is the blessing God gives. And I make you a great name. And you shall be a, ble you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. God brings Abram in complete isolation with the purpose to bless him. The people of Babel want to make a name for themselves, but God destroyed their work. In Genesis 12, however, it's God who makes a name for Abram. How? By blessing him. Now the word bless, brothers and sisters, literally means to bring to full scope, to reach its purpose. But in calling Abram from Ur of the Chaldeans, God indeed reached its purpose, bringing the plan of redemption to its fullest scope. It started off with breaking all ties. Get out of your country, from your father's family, from your family, your father's house. But it finishes with all the families of the earth. Abram on his own, a barren wife, but it's ends with all the nations of the earth. Although Genesis 12, for an interim period, God narrows the beds of the river of salvation, he still keeps the nations in mind, and he did that. Also for you and for me. This is your history. Maybe some of you went to the lectures of Dr. Temple. In that lecture he had in Dalek Downs, he said, church history. That's your history. Read it like that. Well, we should read the Old Testament in a similar way. This is our history. Abram is our father. In the genealogy you can trace back, not by blood, but by faith, to Father Abram. And see what God did for him. This is your history. Read the Old Testament like that. Then you start more and more to marvel that we are part of this tremendous rich heresy. Of this tremendous rich history, I mean. That's our history. So, Abram, a person no better than others, who, if God had changed nothing, would have served the idols as well. In the end, idol service would take over, as it happens so easily. It can happen so easily. When the church, don't we see that also in the Netherlands, the church deviates from the truth, and slowly people go away, go with it. That's so easily done. So if God had not called Abram, maybe he had gone with it. But that's not the most important part. Most important is that Abram had to trust God alone. I will bless you. Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. Curse. So we've talked about blessing, now about curse. Curse means... Hold in contempt, despise. Then you shrug your shoulders about a person. People would say, Abram, a nobody. But then God says to all who say this about Abram, I will call you nobodies. People whose life have no significance. That's how the church started. But also our roots lay. From a human point, 
insignificant. But then from this chapter onwards, Scripture draws the line and shows us the significance of this. Through Jesus Christ, a descendant of Abram, Matthew 1. The blessing God gave to Abram went out through all the nations, to all the families of the earth. That happened through Jesus Christ, who became a curse for us. Yes, the blessing for Abram also for us was paid by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let his blessed body be nailed to the cross. And took our curse upon himself that he might fill us with his blessing. And that's the full realization of the blessing. In Christ, our life reaches its fullest scope. In his letter to Galatians, the Apostle Paul writes, If you are in Christ, then you are Abram's seed and heirs according to the promise. Heirs, with Abram, of the New Jerusalem. Today, many people bypass the doors of the church. They laugh at us. What is it to enjoy in the church? They think life comes to its fullest scope when you have all the pleasures there are today in the world. But scripture teaches us real joy. True development of life you find only in the church. That's where God will bless people. Bless Abram and his seed. Bless also us. Abram, from the lineage of Jesus Christ, in whom the blessing given to Abram reaches its climax in Jesus Christ, in and through whom our life is blessed. That's the perspective of Genesis 12. God's wonderful work of gathering the church, calling Abram, from whom Jesus Christ was born, in whom all the families of the earth are blessed. We all sing it. Rahab, even Babel, the more the Philistine and the tyrant, black and yellow, red and white, Australians and Papuans, in Jesus Christ, God will count them as born on Zion's holy mount in many tongues. One God, one faith, confessing. Lord, I think if you read this, you start to marvel. Lord, who am I? That I may belong to this beautiful church gathering work. Blessed through Abel in Christ, heir of the new Jerusalem. Amen.